Good morning. This is John Richardson speaking with you from Toronto, Canada. It is Labor Day. And what better thing to do on Labor Day than to continue a discussion with a very interesting and extraordinary woman in or near Kenora, Ontario, near the Manitoba border, a lawyer, independent candidate, and all kinds of other interesting things that we may learn about. Michiquan, and that is, I believe, her First Nations name, but I actually, uh, because this is so important, I'd like to turn it over to you to introduce yourself before we begin our discussion. Uzu, good morning. Michiquan and Dago, Makwan Dundam, Wuzuskinigam Nation Dunji. My English name is Janine Seymour, and my spirit name is Mijiquan. Uh, I am a member of the Bear Clan, and yes, I am from Wajishkinigam Nation, and that's where I have chosen to reside during the pandemic. So I'm I'm here. Man, you look like life is treating you well there. You seem happy and relaxed and all this stuff. Well, maybe if we can go back and, and perhaps... Uh, recover some things we talked about before. I mean, I think that your, your story is so interesting, inspirational, particularly to pre-law students. Um, why don't we begin, if you wouldn't mind, just sort of uh, the beginnings and how you ended up in law school and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I grew up here. So I was born and raised um, on the reserve and the English name uh, Rat Portage. Um, there was a residential school here on the community. Um, I believe it's uh, Cecilia Jeffrey, no, St. Mary's and uh, CJ school. Um, there's a lot of residential schools in this territory, like you hit on the border issue and uh, during expansion, right? So I do have my master of laws. And so I'm almost a legal historian, so to speak, with our own indigenous um, Anisanabe, you know, teachings, but uh, this this area uh, was prime for expansion, so they wanted this area to expand west um, to be under treaty, and so uh, they started negotiations, and we were supposed to be treaty one, and we're actually treaty three territory, right? So that's um, you know, the length the length of uh, our our leaders, our warriors, and um, the chiefs at the time who held out and uh, to negotiate the terms of, of treaty, right? And so this area is very historic, I think, for a lot of reasons. Um, but in a contemporary sense, for me to be born and raised on a reserve, um, you know, there's a lot of exposure to trauma, community violence um, out here, uh, as well as... <sighs> One with a residential school, a lot of lingering effects. Um, and because our, our geography, we're so close to, to town, where we're adjacent, right, to the city of Kenora, we're actually uh, adjacent to the golf course. And, um, you know, that was the place where um, people walking from town, children out here would get jumped by adults and abused and, you know, just lots of violent altercations. Uh, the standoff at Anisanabe Park here in the 70s. Um, that was with the American Indian movement. So this 
there's historical and contemporary and there's also a practical reality of there's a lot of money in this in this area this is a beautiful pristine lake of the woods and because of that um i don't want to call them cottagers because during the pandemic a lot of people made these places where they've had their um, second homes for a hundred years right generations um more permanent so there's a lot of wealth and and i compare it to the hamptons almost the the lifestyle now and and uh you know the the country clubs and the golf clubs and the yacht clubs and the rowing clubs and like it's just the disparity between the two <laughs> yeah very unique that's where i am <laughs> Well, that's that. That's a lot of history. So, you're born there, and this is. Uh, did you call it Treaty Three? Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. So the numbered treaties that span across Canada, there's a uh, eleven, and then you know the Robinson um, Superior Treaty down there. But treaties basically went one, two, three, four, five to eleven, and and you know spanned all the way across. So this is the third of 11 trees. Yeah. Can you uh, help me understand um, what the treaties were trying to achieve and, you know, and how they contributed to, uh, you know, some of the things you're describing growing up in that? Yes. Um, so the treaty, uh, so we're all treaty people, right? So there's a, it's, it's a contract and we're under terms by that. And that came from um, all of our, our ancestors, but also spiritually. And that's the part that I'm really trying to drive home. When you asked about my practice and where that's led me to um, stand in spiritual law, right? And, and what does that mean? as I try to shed this lawyer identity, colonial Canadian, right? Um, that tie to the strength of, of spiritual law and laws of the land. And in a very everyday sense, that means whether or not you can go in for, in a again, contemporary sense, whether or not you can go in, um, you know, off the lake to town for, for food or rations and, you know, um, depending on, uh, the weather and and safety with boating and that too um, when ice freezes up and there's communities um, that are still detached from mainlands i think of northwest angle and that's um that was people who live in northwest angle so another reserve have to actually cross into the states to get to canada so when the pandemic hit and they ge geographically you know shut down these borders heavily impacted because the treaty borders exist, pre-exist all of that, right? And so the treaty is a relationship. And so the relationship doesn't stop and the relationship doesn't, you know, like any relationship, <laughs> it, it keeps evolving in a contemporary sense. And um, that's where the spiritual law, I think, comes into play, where, where the sanctions, you know, a violation of that. If you want to go out when it's ice freeze up, I've had relatives die, right? Crossing, crossing the lake. And, and that's the reality you're, you're going to be stuck in. And so with climate change and how this impacts and, you know, um, 
spiritual law. Those are sanctions, you know, that's, that's coming down. So the treaty relationship, I see it as um, a foundational piece to the relations that we all have here on this land. Is that okay? <laughs> Did I go? Yeah, no, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, it's as though, it's as though these are just parallel worlds, aren't they? That's, that's how we see things, yeah. Existing yeah. sort of in the same geography, but different universes. Would that be a way to describe Yeah. So I really must tell you, <coughs> sorry, I probably told you this before, you know, as you probably can tell from looking at me and listening to me. So, you know, I grew up in Canada. Um, well, I really got to tell you, like, zero knowledge of any of this stuff. Completely zero, zero knowledge. Um, is that just me or is this what you typically find? Um, you asked what else I was up to. I've actually been doing the markets. So every Wednesday there's a market in town. It's a farmer's market. And I learned from the chamber and the election stuff, right. Of how things run, things run on money, <laughs> right. We cater to that. And these markets are, are a big day. So I've committed and blocked out my calendar every Wednesday to go hang out. And um, I've had a table. Tourism Kenora has been very helpful. I've had fashion shows of getting the youth, you know, in our in our regalia to come down. Um, they've taken up space at, at um, the museum, right? And so, you know, the museum holds, they call them artifacts. And that's the word that people will understand when I'm speaking of, you know, a medicine dress that has a spirit. And it is, you know, related to the people out, out here. And so when I handpicked the models, I knew which ones I was, you know, um, which families I would be bringing in to, to have that space. And um, the conversations have been eye-opening for me so I can understand where people are coming from and how we can engage and I'm also going to say there's a lot of lawyers out here. So there's a lot of lawyers who have property, homes, lives. They raise their children in Vancouver. Like, I don't know where else. And, you know, so there is a lot of educated people, right, who, I don't know, maybe we're just living a life where they didn't see this, right? Because, like, how could you have your second, like, all your generational wealth came from here, where I am situated, it was um, the railway company, the CN Rail, and there was um, like papers of uh, John McDonald, and this is going back to that scandal thing I just am learning about since I'm reading books <laughs> out of the cabin. Um, but it was like his son-in-law who did uh, this property was um, uh, a tourism camp for them. It was their their second home right and so the people made their generational wealth on their property and kept elevating their status so their ties are back here but their knowledge base is i don't know where because i've had the conversations with them i love their children i think their children if they listen more to their kids maybe they'll 
<laughs> learn a thing or two. I think the kids are are getting that information from um, the apps, right? The social media apps. I always ask them what they're on. Okay, where where are you getting your knowledge from? Um, so I do find that their kids are more not like have that knowledge than than the adults. Um, but the grandparents um, also just in non-Indigenous community have a really strong role in, in raising, you know, um, the generations. So that might be another uh, way to tap into things. I, so anyways, I've been doing market research at the market <laughs> downtown Kenora in trying to step up my game because I do believe that if people know, then, then you, you can't ignore it, right? Mm-hmm. And I just think people don't know. So I'm running on that benefit of the doubt. And so far, yeah, people just don't know. So you ran as an independent candidate in the the last election, which was, um, I guess, how we first engaged, right? We did an earlier podcast on that. Um, Did that help you uh, in any way, sort of, uh, did that provide a level of engagement that, you know, further than any awareness of this kind of stuff or no? Yeah, I naively thought that <laughs> people would vote for the best candidates, all those things would shine through and really no money drives the entire thing. And, you know, I learned from um, observing Naomi Sayers campaign of very strategically how you can capitalize, right, your social media, um, the platforms, and utilize them now. Because the media is a barrier. The mainstream media absolutely is. When, in my example, um, I, I didn't get coverage, right? And there were seven named parties and one independent. And only the independent got shut out. Yet I very closely flirted so much so that people thought I was like, even after post-election, they thought I was with the liberal, like they didn't know, right? Um, because that uh, that fell through. I was looking um, at the liberals before running as an independent. And um, I did, September wasn't too long ago. I was with the NDP, very popular. So to have um, two political party connections and to not hear from that candidate I just thought was, um, I don't know, very short-sighted. So yeah, I learned a lot from running as an independent. And uh, are you going to run again? Well, I'm actually really upset um, that I can't run again. There's a municipal election. This would have been like my fourth election in one year because I did run for my First Nation for chief. You have to live on the reserve. And the residency is a barrier. So I wanted to be school board trustee. I told you I have three kids in high school, really important to me, education, that all kids know the laws of the land and this, right? Um, And because of residency, I'm actually barred uh, legally from from running. And I think that's complete bullshit. Because the- the, the, uh, Running for the, in the municipal election, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, so the town I feel is like... Take me through it again. Why are you barred? I'm where I'm right now. I'm on a reserve. That's that's where I live. And I'm a status Indian. I have a number. I am an Indian, right? 
in the eyes of the government. And um, that fact bars me from having input on my children's education at a governance level. Like there is no other qualified, I think, quote unquote, in the Canadian mainstream qualifications, right? Indigenous woman locally, who could provide that knowledge base that that Indigenous legal historian scholarly, you know, education to the, these children. And I can't do it because school board trustees are elected here in October, along with the municipal. And I just and you can you cannot be a candidate. You cannot be on the ballot. That's what that's what you're saying. I am barred, and I, I and they take my kids off the reserve and bust them into school mandatory. Right, my kids have to be in school. So I just that's... that is amazing to me. Can you let's dig into this a little more? What exactly is it? What is the law that 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 bars you? I did talk to another lawyer because he really felt I should run for um, uh, the mayor. And we did explore that. And uh, it came down to something that I was, so my office is in town, right? My law firm, um, which I still winding down. Okay. Right? By town, you mean but, off the reserve? Yeah. The city of Kenora. Okay. The city of Kenora. Yeah. So my law office that I rent is there, but if I owned it, I could have ran is what we were able to deduce. So it's a, it's a residency, meaning I live on a first nation and I'm a status Indian in Canada. Mm -hmm. Right. But there were, there were exceptions and I still missed it by renting, not owning my work within the city. Okay, like so that. so is the rule that in order to run in, in uh, we're talking about Kenora, to run in Kenora, correct, is the rule that you either have to have a resident, residential address there or own property? Is that what you're saying? Not just, no, not, uh, yeah, prop, yeah, own property, I guess, yeah. And it's not just Kenora, I'm pretty sure it's all municipals across Canada. Under be because the, in Toronto, that's not the case. I mean, I know of people who, um, you know, our, there's what, there's 25 wards in Toronto. I know people personally who have no connection to certain wards, but who are on the ballot. Mm -hmm. so, that's good. Uh, you know, I mean, and, so that's quite interesting. But, I, you know, it, it does seem to me, I mean, this is amazing stuff, right? So you're in this position where you and your family are, you know, hugely impacted by these laws, right? Hugely impacted by these laws. But yet to use your word, you're barred from uh, the the ability to participate in making the laws that, that govern you. Is that yeah. a statement? Yeah. Well, I, I admire, you know, the, the fact that you're able to have this conversation with a smile on your face. I mean, you know, a lot of people would be, you know, I think really angry about that. I, I, I've i been reflecting a lot and there's, um, there's actually eight grandfather teachings. So this is my culture and my belief system, right? And so that's the, the stuff that grounds me. But the eighth teaching I understand is forgiveness. And I've taken that to, under, to like, to forgive myself 
and to release myself and to allow myself to experience joy and to be happy and to, you know, despite all this, this pain and suffering, because I, if you, under, like, I don't know if you heard, but there was also, um, you know, a very tragic uh, um, incident in, um, it was Saskatchewan, a first nation there. Over the weekend. Yes. Yes. Well, I uh, certainly everybody's heard of it. My God, it was even in the, uh, I think it made the Guardian. It made the Guardian in the UK and the New York Times, actually. I've seen it all over the world. Yeah. It's incident, right? It is. And, and this isn't um, oh, with our culture and with our beliefs and who we are as, as people, right? This is very lost from our, um, our traditional ways and our, our connection, I believe. And so um, for me, strengthening that connection, knowing the teachings and understanding that, that joy exists and that we're supposed to, and, you know, to step into that and to give myself permission, like it is, it's been um, life-changing actually. So I, I've spent a long like part of my life being very angry, raging, raging at the system. And I say raging explicitly because that was what, um, when the 215 had broken, um, a residential school survivor out here who was also induced to the Hockey Hall of Fame recently to rectify a, a, a wrong, a historic wrong that happened, you know, for First Nation um, hockey players, went to the streets and I saw him and we had a conversation and he said rage was the emotion that was felt and um when he said that and he even gave himself permission to say it and to feel it and to share that right i felt empowered to say that I, i've been raging at the system because i think somebody of my background you're right like i was um a 16 year old high school dropout from the same community uh the city right um and so to be ineligible <laughs> Not in, not even ineligible. Uh, I, I think it's illegal, frankly. I just the city, the location, so the you, education. We're talking specifically about about uh, the prohibition on running right now. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. Does, I, I, what is the Charter of Rights? Canadian Charter of Rights. Does this? There's something about you know anybody being able to run. Anyway, it's well whether it's legal or not. It's clearly obscene. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly designed to, uh, you know, obviously marginalize a group of people and keep them out of the, out of participation, creating the very laws that govern them. Yes, because um, like you said, the Thunder Bay, so I'm doing the Thunder Bay police stuff there. There's police here and they come from the city. So they're representatives of typically a mayor and a council member are half of the police board the local police board, right? Let, let's just pause it, on that. Can we just go there in one second? Um, if I could just uh, ask you again to repeat the eighth teaching or whatever, however you call it. Yeah, the eighth grandfather teaching is forgiveness. Teaching. Forgiveness. And the spirit associated with that teaching um, came from a lodge out here. And uh, that was uh, the rock a sin and for me i interpret forgiveness as forgiving myself right so i've done i've done wrong i've, I've hurt i've um really harmed you know 
uh, throughout my life. And I, I truly believe, though, I've really the most consistent person <laughs> I've harmed is, is myself. And so it's releasing myself, you know, from from that and allowing myself to experience joy despite the pain, despite the suffering, despite the trauma, despite, you know, everything that we we face every single day and and frankly every moment here on the res that's i mean that's an amazing amazing accomplishment absolutely amazing and um what is this a relatively recent uh achievement in your life absolutely the last election humbled me i i received 89 votes that was my lowest showing like on my community, like I just, it was hard without the media, without, um, without the financial means, frankly, to put yourself in a, in the position to be elected. Um, well, especially really to, to run as an independent, uh, you know, I mean, this is, this is tough stuff. I mean, that's why I was interested in doing a podcast with you before. I think when we did the first podcast, though, I knew something you didn't namely how hard it was going to be <laughs> you know and, and now you you know you you know so you've experienced that but listen uh i mean if you were to actually look at the hard numbers you know leaving aside the personal pain and disappointment you would see that you actually did okay all right <laughs> you did okay listen i once ran as an independent and um you know, I was so discouraged by the whole thing that I actually went out to vote for myself to make sure I even got a single vote. I mean, I thought I was not going to get a single vote. So, so yeah, you, no. you did 89 times better than I did. And I think my spirit name played into it, right? I did run under a different name than my whole professional identity. Like I built up career-wise a Janine Seymour lawyer right and and now I'm like no Mijiquan is is the political <laughs> and well, um, it, it yeah so the people are able to leverage your I mean you know you might have done better uh you know if you leveraged your sort of previous career but in any case all right so that's lesson eight so from that I infer there must be lessons before eight I think you said there were eight what are the I mean just briefly like what are the lessons mm -hmm. here I hope, I say I hope because I don't know what the future has in store for me, but I really hope I've, I've learned my lesson about um, where my where my time, where my energy, where my alliances are. And it's not affiliated with a corporation, um, a political party. Like, I really hope that this uh, process and undergoing this, this humbling time, you know, has solidified that for me, that this is not where the strength and where the power is, right? The power is with people, with individuals, and we have to stop um, trying to give personhood to corporations. You know, that's that's a piece of paper, right? So I, I really hope that uh, I've learned my lesson hard on that one, and I will continue to make um, really good decisions that uh, um, are in line with my values that I have now. <laughs> Newer values. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. And I don't know if other people started this way, but um, yeah, for me, it was it was the bad political party experiences, right? And 
and understanding uh, behind the behind the closed door behind the yeah. It's it's amazing to me that 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 would have. Uh, I mean, the way you're describing this, you give me the impression that this experience was sort of a transformative moment in life for you. Is is I mean, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I I I think I'm gonna have a challenging time meeting a lot of my friends and my old group. Well, that's you know what, I I I certainly would not take this personally. Uh I mean you know, when it comes to politics oh. and stuff, I mean, the whole independent Canada thing, Canada thing is so different. No, I, I just think like the whole thing is like bullshit. And I really hope that my friends who believe the political parties and have stood behind JT, the man and the fucking air and, you know, all know that's bullshit and they don't hate me um, because my friends, right, are, are very, uh, they've, you know, high ranking, have achieved their own political goals and life and indigenous communities are so small that um if they, i'm making fun of that. forgiveness they have not achieved forgiveness correct <laughs> that's why i'm pre thank you thank you that's why i'm preaching this i'm like you gotta work with me here <laughs> no no i mean this, yeah. this is absolutely amazing i mean this is su such an important lesson and it is you know i think it is the I mean, maybe you can help me with this, okay? I, I mean, I agree with you or with the lesson or whatever, or you're absorbing it, okay? That forgiveness is is critical to personal growth. It's critical to human happiness. And it's probably critical to, you know, to, to ever getting anywhere else, you know? Because you, you can't, there's only so much baggage you can go through life with. So why, help me with this, why is this so somewhere between difficult and impossible for people, for I think a, some mm. significant percentage of people, absolutely impossible. Why is it impossible to forgive? The first, the first step towards that, right, is, is saying it and admitting it and, and voicing whatever it is and while that is um or can be you know empowering that's taking your power back that's saying i choose i actively am not you know going to be doing that like i recognize i am accepting i am owning i'm taking that responsibility and people can't do that like they cannot they are so afraid and i'm like it's yourself like it's it's okay <laughs> trust there's anybody in this world that, you know, you should trust to have you. It's you, right? And um, this has also gone to my, my, you know, career professional reflection of, of lawyer where privilege and, and, you know, thinking about my grandfather was actually um, a reverend and so a man of the cloth and, and how people would confide and confess and want to, you know, voice that, that thing right but there's so many other you know safe spaces you could do that out here in this in this nature in this tree like go to this go to this 
you know, patch of grass. I don't know what your your view looks like there in the city, John, but I'm sure there's like a flower. I don't have as much grass as you do. Okay, I, I, I guarantee you that. And not as much quiet either. The, the, you know, the it's, biggest it's, problem with the city is the light and the noise. It's the relentlessness of it. The lights, the lights are terrible, eh? They are. They are. It's how people people talk about this kind of pollution, that kind of pollution. My God, the you know the the, the only things I notice, um, you know, I spend most of my time in the city. I guess as you probably figured out, but you know, when I leave the city at all, first thing I notice is that it's, you know you you see the skies at night. You can actually see the stars. Yes. No chance of any of that around here at all. You look outside, oh. all you see is bright lights usually flashing you missed the northern lights then i told you i went to the comedy club and so i drove back from winnipeg and we caught a light show the northern lights the entire way from the city to so manitoba to all the way out here just beautiful and i think social media was blowing up <laughs> with northern light picks so interesting you gotta get out of the city yeah well, that's for sure so on this forgiveness thing, I'm trying to figure out ways to summarize this. This is so interesting. But if I were to use the following sentence, would this be accurate? Forgiveness is a choice. Yeah. Active. Forgive, forgiveness is an active choice. So I, I'm not fluent. Um, not at all. <laughs> My daughter can speak better than me. But I do know, you know, um, important words of our language, commandments, things like that. But our, our language is verb based, right? So 70% of our language is action is built into the words itself. So if I were to, yeah, put this in a traditional word, right? And, and how that is, it's embedded in there. There's an active choice to that. Interesting. So you've got the eight rules, the eight principles, the eight teachings. Okay. So, I mean, are people exposed to this? Like from a young age, like here are the eight teachings or something, or and they just ignore it or they don't absorb it or they, what? Well, yeah. So the most exposure that I can see, because I, um, with the pandemic, I think everybody really uh, spent a lot more time with their family, right? And from what I can tell, like, so my kids kind of got homeschooled. And so I really got uh, into their, uh, their education, and making sure that they understood this. And but they appreciate it, that? Oh, uh, they can sometimes. Oh, my, my kids are, they're amazing, though. Absolutely amazing. And they're friends, their friends have to all put up like it is. Yes, we are. Uh, we stick together out here. Um, but I think it's just, it comes down to ignorance. And so the educators are all formalized, licensed, Canadian colonial. So when I go to my kid's school and I see, say, the seven grammar teachings on the wall displayed, right, in a nice fashion, um, it'll say respect, right, and is one of them. And it'll say something like, respect your teachers, like respect authority. And that's not what we mean by respect. We mean that everything is living, has a spirit, do no harm, right? 
that is a lot different than obey. Tolerance, tolerance. And so when the teachers respect more in a sense of tolerance, correct? Yeah, well, um, just the life, right? And how, uh, say that treaty that we talked about, we, we call it a living, breathing document, meaning it's still, it's still alive. You know, you still have to honor that through feasting, through praying, through every, every, you know, part of the food chain here, this little mosquito I'm not supposed to kill. So if I'm with an elder and they're like, you know, I have to shoo things off and just, just be so grateful. So, and so the respect when I see it in a black and white at the school sense, respect authority. It's like, that's, you're missing it. You're missing it. And so unfortunately, a lot of the kids pick up what is taught at the schools because it's how it's designed. And so there's this, you know, misappropriation of our, our culture. Misappropriation of the concept of the teaching. So this is absolutely fascinating. You know, so you take a word and I wouldn't say corrupt the meaning, but you, you interpret the word through the lens of your own understanding and experience to the exclusion of others, which which brings me to the next thing yeah. I'd like to discuss with you, which is the, um, you know, so you're a lawyer and, you know, we talk about law and your master's degree in law is in indigenous studies or in part. And, and again, I don't know anything about this which is one of the reasons why I find it so incredibly interesting to, to talk to you. Uh, but I do understand on this basic level that there is not just one view of what things like rule of law mean, et cetera, and this stuff mm -hmm. is shaped hugely by history, culture, tradition. And I also understand on, on a very basic and I would say almost crass level that for which I apologize, but it's, it's true, uh, that, you know, the First Nations view of the world is not the same as, uh, you know, sort of the European view of the world. You would agree with that, presumably. I would agree, yeah. Obviously. All right. So, you know, I found it fascinating. Uh, you know, you, you, you said some negative things, I think, about our friend Justin Trudeau. And I, I do share some of your sentiments, by the way. Okay. But his latest appointment to the Supreme Court of Canada, um, Michelle Obansawan, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, uh, does have First Nations roots, I think. Am I right on that? Correct. And, I mean... It would seem to me that your view would be that this would be a positive step forward for the court generally. Am I right on that? Yes and no. Um, I, I feel that we seem to take whatever we can, you know, and whatever's offered. So I, I don't, I'm reserving, but I, I don't think this actually will be um, as, as great a step forward that we think or would like, or need, frankly, we all need a step forward. And um, so I'll just expand a little bit there. And when I, I spoke about relational, when you just put one Indigenous woman to have this, you know, view, especially this legal, you know, what she's coming in with, um, I, I believe that we are relational and there needs to be at least two. 
at least two because that dialoguing more comes out right and to actually be anything frankly there needs to be at least two to be effective because mean, that by at least two just i just want to make sure i'm not missing what you're saying here you mean two first nation appointees to the court is that what you're meaning if indigenous women like if if, if that was the goal behind this right is to capture um you know another another piece another layer to offer to the to the bench another insight you know perspective on how the legal system should work it has to come with with two indigenous females like appointees frankly that's my opinion anything less is is insufficient um to what if that if that was the goal i don't know perhaps the goal is is just an appointment but if it was uh targeted to address something then it needed to be meaningful okay so you know this is a conversation that i had in relation to um recent the most recent uh appointee to the u.s supreme court as a black woman and uh, you know, President Biden early on as president said, you know, I'm going to appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court. But does a woman who happens to be black, who's gone through Harvard Law School and all sort of the privileged, you know, <laughs> forms of education, et cetera, from cradle to grave, is that a black woman? Yes, we come in all shapes, colors, sizes, but I won't speak for black women, but yes, all perspectives. And that reinforces what I'm saying of more than one. And maybe two is not the magic number, right? But I am saying that my perspective is is vastly different um, because of my experience is vastly different, right? Right. Without a doubt, <laughs> And so that has to be factored in somewhere. It's not a check the box. And that's problematic. Um, so, well, that's it, my it is, there's no question it's problematic. There's no question that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's imperfect. Uh, is it a reasonable start? I mean, part of the problem is you only get to a point one at a time. How are we just starting now? Like, I'm sorry, Justin Trudeau, and I'm going to call him just a straight name and no, you know, official titles there because I'm, I'm that upset. Like, how are we just starting now? I have his books from in his speeches. I've been studying the work of his, his father. We've been in this for some time. Right. Oh, if, no. if he's just figuring out that we're starting now and he comes from the legacy he comes from. He's too late. Yeah, well, certainly late, certainly late, late, late. 
Thank you for bringing the optimism back. <laughs> yes. Too late. I mean, don't you have to start somewhere? I mean, I, I'm not, believe me, I'm probably the last person on the planet who would defend Justin Trudeau, okay? I'm not exactly, mm -hmm. I'm neither a liberal nor a Trudeau fan. What, a, what about a start then, since we've been talking about really big concepts, I'm going to throw in another one about the bilingualism and the rate of pay, right? Because you understand that equating your worth to a, to a dollar amount is, is the world that exists here, right? And so for really significant appoint, appointments like this, there's, um, there's MLAs, there's members of parliament right now who are um, bilingual with an indigenous language of the land who are not being paid because they're only recognizing English and French to have the additional top-ups. So, I mean, you know, you can start there. You can still like just, you, you, you start, but you gotta like, I don't know. I'm, I'm disappointed personally um, in that it's not far enough. And so I you're, wonder you're if that's in the stuff. eye of the storm. You're absolutely in the eye of the storm. And, you know, you bring an understanding and experience, awareness, and a level of energy to it that, you know, frankly, uh, very, very few other people do. So I think you need to, as well as uh, forgiving yourself, I, I would like to suggest that you recognize your uniqueness. All right. You know, in this as well. Um, why don't, you know, I think you should volunteer yourself. I mean, why not? You know, you've got you've got a master's in law. You're a practicing lawyer. You've got a master's in law. You know, you've got. I mean, you have a absolutely fascinating background. I'm now an expert as well. And yeah, you're I'm an expert. All, all of these things. Plus, you know what it's like to run as an independent candidate. One of life's greatest lessons you've yes. ever had, right? I like tell that. Me about, tell me about how you're using this this collage of experiences now. What are you What are you doing now? You say you're not practicing law at the moment. Yeah, I realized um, I, I did a, a lot of outreach work to people on the street, and I call it work, but it's really I'm hanging out. I'm it's social. I'm enjoying it. I'm learning a lot from another lens and another angle where I never um, had access to. And part of why I have that access is I've stepped down in my practice. Right. And so to not have that barrier between us, um, we've evolved in a, a relationship and uh, I, I love it. I have had some women off um, the street who have uh, participated in, in uh, the fashion shows, um, a photo shoot and their confidence. They just glow. I see them two weeks later. They're mentoring other women. Um, they're, they're really taking care of themselves. Like, you know, it's just really beautiful. So yeah, I actually think I was lacking some experience. I went out there, I got some more firsthand knowledge, um, to put in my toolkit of resources that I have. And I, I do, I really want to affect change on the greatest, widest possible sense. So I'm not sure if that's an appointment to the Supreme Court, but if it's a challenge, um, I'm absolutely gung-ho for that.
like bring it. All right. Well, that that is fantastic. And maybe we can stop here for today. But let me ask you a question. Would you be open to doing a series of podcasts on the on you know we've talked about the eight lessons or the eight teachings, exploring some of the other ones? Yes, for sure. This was a fun one. I like the, having the themes, and it helps me stay grounded. I know I worked hard on the environment, but yes. I don't think you need that much help. You seem to me to be doing a pretty good job on that. That's for sure. All right, well, listen. I really must tell you uh how much i thank you for having this discussion and podcast with me and i also want to tell you uh you know how much i admire what you've accomplished and continue to accomplish i think you're absolutely amazing you're good sean all right so let's pick this up with another lesson think about the lessons along the way any uh any final thoughts or words of wisdom or encouragement or teachings or I'm going to drop a quick one in here. So it's Labor Day weekend. It's back to school. It's really significant, right? It's fall. There's a lot happening. Um, but September 30th is coming, right? And this is uh, Every Child Matters Day. And I'm going to drop an anti-capitalism thing by support people, not corporations. Every child, every person, right? So if you really want to help out, get to the people. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Well, till next time then. All right.